CBCC number 13, my realization of the day is, have you ever realized that mail is like a really lame form of magic? You just put something in a box and some boring wizard strolls around in short pants and picks it up and then poof, that letter or boxes in another place. Fucking weird. Let's go ahead and get to the show. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Blade Blunt Cinema Club. It is your boy, Devon Taylor, here. I have my good buddy, Chance Nichols, here. Hello, gang. How's it going? It is going really good. I'm so happy to have you here. Chance and I, we go back back to the good old Missouri days, and he was a uh, recurring guest on Jesus Take the Real back in the day. So, I mean, this is some OG shit we're doing today. It really is. It really is. Long time ago. And it, yeah, that makes me uh, very excited. Uh, Chance is a super funny comedian. He spent uh, a lot of time out in Chicago, and then now he is out here in sunny LA with the rest of us. How how's your how are your first couple of weeks? Yeah, they're great. Uh, it's been fun, you know. I've I've been spending a lot of time at home, uh, but other than that, yeah, it's it's I love it out here. It's 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 about time, and uh, I just need to buy a car. That's the only other thing. Yeah, I literally just got a new car, and um, because L.A. without a car is hard. Yeah, it sucks. You had to come pick me up today. Yeah, it <laughs> it, it 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 is a little bit hard, um, but you know what? It's take it takes time, and luckily you came in a time where we got nothing but time. Right. Currently. Right. So much time. I built a bed yesterday. I assembled a bed. I'd never done that before. I ordered it, and it came in pieces. And uh, I spent most of my day building that bed yesterday, which is something I never would have done normally. No, I, I totally get you. One sec. Also, go like in front. There. You yeah, go. yeah, yeah. Like that. Like your like your Eminem oh, about Jesus. to go against uh what what was uh Papa Doc Papa Doc that was Papa Doc and played uh, by Anthony Mackie yeah his real name's Clarence and Clarence's <laughs> parents have a real good marriage Clarence's parents uh good good shit but we are not here to talk about Eight Mile no sir. we are here to talk about uh so this is a bonus episode it doesn't really uh, fit in with I mean there's not really a theme for the month of August anyway so. Um, it's just kind of, I threw this bonus episode out and I was going to have you on one episode, which would have been really funny, but, but it was, um, you were going to be on the episode that came before this, which would have been, um, American Psycho and Vampire's Kiss, how they are almost the same movie. Okay. Made cool. lots of realizations about those two movies, and I was like, a Nick Cage movie would have been real fun to do with you. But yeah. you had a you had a movie ready and a, yeah. the most random choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you you were just like, oh yeah, House of a Thousand Corpses. I was like, well, <laughs> I, all right, that works. <laughs> I figured you would have seen it. Like this, se- it seems like such a classic like Devon movie. But yeah, I'm glad I was able to sit with you through your first viewing. Yeah, I mean that's what. I mean, I think with a lot of Rob Zombie movies, a lot of people assume that, like, I'm really big into Rob Zombie movies. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, this is only, I've seen, I still haven't seen Devil's Rejects, but obviously now I'm going to watch it and and watch Three from Hell. But I'd only seen his two Halloween movies, and then I'd also seen um, uh, Lords of Salem. 
which yeah. is which is it's good. Like yeah. I, I really dig Rob Zombie style. Um, I love that he just loves the horror genre. You can tell he has a lot of passion for it. And uh, this was his directorial debut, and and I kind of just avoided it for a long time, just because one by the cover that he picked, like the cover and poster are terrible. They don't yeah. do the movie any justice <laughs> Looks, whatsoever. It, it's nothing. There's. It's not even a shot from the movie. Yeah, <laughs> and and it like and I guess I assume just because of the low score that critics gave it and shit like that, that it was like kind of a little bit more schlocky B movie. I mean, which it is, but at the same time, it's like because it has a cult following. I thought it had a cult following for it being like so bad that it's good, but it's not. Right. So it's a legit good movie. Yeah. Like I it's was really good. like I was actually very surprised like it functions very well as just a very solid grindhouse throwback horror movie. Mm-hmm. So yeah. so I had just weird expectations. So my expectations were pretty low going in is what I'll say. Um but before we get into talking about House of a Thousand Corpses just so the audience could get to know you a little bit better chance and your taste. Um, so I asked you to provide, um, a couple hidden gems. Um, these are movies that, you know, that are, that you might only know of, or they have a special place in your heart and hopefully the audience or me doesn't know about them. So, uh, what do you got? So for sure. So just in terms of like taste and stuff, I'll start off with, it's not a hidden gem at all and we don't have to talk about it, but probably my favorite horror movie might be like the original Insidious just like mm-hmm. it's super mainstream I know and all that stuff so everybody knows that movie but that's that's sort of where a lot of my sensibilities lie but for the for the hidden gems uh portion of it I got two so the first one is again something that had like a major wide release and you probably saw it a lot of people probably saw it but also it didn't really like it it was one of those things where it could have been way bigger than it was and it wasn't mm-hmm. I feel like and it's uh the Blair Witch sequel that came out in like 2016. Yeah, I 2016. Think, like yeah. That. Mm-hmm. yeah, I really love that movie. I saw it in theaters on a really rainy, like stormy night in Springfield, and it just kind of fit the 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 vibe for yeah. that for sure. Yeah, I have a see. I mean, I appreciate the original Blair Witch for what it did for horror, what it right. did for found footage. Um, when I revisit it, it. It's definitely not as scary. No, it's not even and really. It's a not very movie. scary, but it's all the setup and like the stuff behind it and the way that they filmed it is yeah. a lot more interesting than the movie itself. Yeah, there was the for like my dad whenever he showed me that movie when I was because it came out in ninety nine, he would have been like in his mid twenties at that point. So him and a lot of his friends thought that this was real. Yeah, and like, I was because <laughs> this was pre internet. I mean, not pre internet, but this was in the early days of the internet because it was also pretty popular for its use of viral marketing mm-hmm. for the movie. So it's like you know the original Blair Witch was what it is. I actually like Book of Shadows a lot. Because yeah, of just the, the strangeness like a, of it. Yeah, I never saw that one. I'd heard about it, but yeah, I didn't see it just because I heard so many things. It was like, oh, it's not really it's not really a sequel. It's more of like a, a reimagining yeah. like thing. The, the, the director didn't, the director wanted to make it more of a reimagining, but of course the studio was like, no, you got to throw in more Blair Witch stuff. Right, which is what I loved about, I think it's just called Blair Witch from 2016, mm-hmm. is that like the main character is the younger brother of the girl in the first yes. movie. So that was a it's cool a true way sequel. To, yeah, it's a cool way to tie it in. Um, and yeah, I don't know. There's just something about that movie, especially the way that they explored how it how the witch fucks with time in those yes. woods, like that group of like people that they mm-hmm. like bumped back into after leaving, and they're like, "You've been." 
like we've been looking for you all day. He's like, what do you mean all day? You've been gone for two weeks. Yeah, I really, I do like, um, I like the 2016 one. I didn't love it or anything um, because it basically is a juiced up version of the first one. Yeah, But they added, but I'm glad that they added a little bit more scares to it with Mm -hmm. like, you know, the the chick with the thing in her leg. Like that was super weird. And yeah, the time stuff and like, and and the kill where they break the the witch thing in half and girl just fucking Uh splits backwards. That is so fucked up. That's a cool ass scene. So And I I like the way that they expand on uh, the found footage stuff with using like drone footage. Yeah, the drone shit. and, And stuff like that. So, so I also did appreciate that, but um, yeah. so that's the first one. Yeah, that's but I, I I did appreciate that. Yeah. I I appreciate it more than other people, and I think it's because I really like the director Adam Wingard. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's working on a new film, so really yeah. excited for that. What's your other you, hidden Adam. gem? Uh, the other hidden gem, and this is one I'm certain you haven't heard of, and not many people have. It's a movie that I saw. So there's a movie theater in Chicago. Like like D said, I lived in Chicago for a while, and there's a movie theater in Chicago called the Music Box. L- yeah. Gorgeous theater. Yeah. It's Gorgeous. World famous, like this beautiful, beautiful place. It was really close to where I lived, so I'd go there a lot. And one night I went for a midnight movie screening that they do there of these weird-ass horror movies, and it was like this Italian horror film I didn't know what to think. I, I honestly wasn't like super excited because I'm like, oh, Ital- like I'm Italian. You can't tell, but I, my family's Italian. I was like, oh, Jesus, I don't know if I want to consume this like spaghetti art. Um, <laughs> spaghetti but, art. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Italians are scum. Um, no, and it was this. So it's this Italian horror film from 1984 called Wild Beasts, and. It. I have no idea who who did who's in it who directed. I have nothing. It's just Wild Beasts from 1984. It is a movie that the premise of it is these like criminals in Italy are like running away from a big drug like smuggling thing from the cops and they they pour their cocaine stores into like the water supply for the town. Uh, because so that they don't get caught with all this coke, but it's like the pipe that goes directly to the zoo, and so all of these zoo animals start drinking this like cocaine water, <laughs> and go insane and like break out of their cages and go and like tr- terrorize this town, and it's like all shot over like the course of like one night where all these like tigers and lions and shit just go and just like maul people. There's at one point this guy's like chasing a jaguar on a dirt bike like through the streets and apparently I was talking to my buddy who I went with who's like a huge cinephile uh and loves this type of shit. He was like apparently a lot of those animals like they actually did just let them loose on the streets and there was yeah. very little permits going on and anything like that and they just had these wranglers that's just like all right well we're going to let this like jaguar loose uh in this alleyway we hope we can get it back. Um so yeah, there's some crazy uh this is a crazy movie. Ooh, that I that definitely sounds up my alley. Yeah. Um I I love just like weird Italian horror because they just they they love to get strange and I I love it. So yeah. I'll send a Italian movie back to you for a hidden gem. Mm-hmm. It's called Demons. Okay. It's um by Lamberto Bava. Well, kinda. He is uh, the son of Mario Bava, who's a super famous Italian horror director. Mm-hmm. It was a cl- collaboration between him and Dario Argento, another one of the biggest uh, Italian horror directors of all time. And uh, this movie, Demons, it's uh, set in Germany, and these people are in a movie theater 
that becomes infested by demons and just start killing people. Sure. And it's um it's just very strange. It has some very unique kills to them. Uh, the design for the demons is really fun. It's from the mid eighties. So it's just it's it's a really fun, but um I don't know if the the one that you the one that you mentioned had it, but it, it's one of those things where a lot of Italian movies uh, back in the seventies and eighties they would allow uh, actors to film everything in their native language, regardless of who yeah. they were, you know. Yeah, yeah And they yeah. would everybody would film in their own language, and then they would just dub it later. Yeah, that's exactly what happened in this movie. So yeah, so that, and that's yeah. one thing that I love about, because it it does add this just like kind of weird like strangeness because obviously like what's they're saying is it matching up with their with right. their mouths so it's it's yeah. kind of funny but um it's a really good movie it's streaming on shutter right now if you have shutter um so and for the audience definitely recommend demons if you want some weird italian horror in your life and then i also want to shout out the hidden gem i brought up nick cage earlier um have you seen drive angry no <laughs> I've not seen Drive Angry. You should watch it. Yeah. Uh, Drive Angry was from 2011, and it's him and Amber Heard. Oh, uh, Johnny controversial. Depp's, yeah, um, yeah. She's crazy, but she is pretty fun in this movie. <laughs> but uh, Drive Angry, Nick Cage plays this guy who um, escapes hell of course. In, a, in a badass car. Sure. He escapes hell because he is after, he wants to kill a cult leader that killed his daughter. And then now the cult leader killed his daughter and then stole his granddaughter, a baby, from the daughter. And oh. then, so he has the baby and he's going to sacrifice the baby to bring Satan, you know, yeah. his cult leadership. Yeah. And so it's Nick Cage after this cult. Um, and then the cops are after Nick Cage and them, of course. They're on mm. their tail. And it's just does he have like supernatural powers or anything? Um, except just that he can't die. Okay. Because he's already dead. Right. But um Jeez. he has that, but he also has um this uh god killer shotgun <laughs> of um he that he stole from Satan as like I don't I, I forget why he stole it, but he did it anyway. So yeah. the cops are after him. Satan sends his right-hand man after him as well. So it's just this road movie. Everybody's after him. He's yeah. after the cult leader. The cult leader is crazy. Sounds almost like a Ghost Rider sequel. It kind of <laughs> is very Ghost Rider-esque. And Nick Cage is at his cagiest. He has this weird, I don't know if it's a blonde wig or if he dyed his hair. Oh, dear, Nick. It, like he he just has this weird look. He wears sunglasses most of the movie. Mm-hmm. There's a scene like um he's he's fucking a girl while killing like three dudes and shit. Like how have I not seen this? Also, the title "Drive Angry" does not that makes me that immediately makes me think oh Nick Cage uh, in like a driving movie. Well, it, <laughs> like, it, it he does have a um well Amber Heard's character has the super sweet Camaro. Sure, and she's like a somewhat mechanic badass chick. And yeah. they team up, you know, because okay. she just wants to get out of town. Yeah, don't we all? And uh, <laughs> I was just up in Big Bear this weekend. Beautiful yeah. place. So there is some there is some great car chases in it as well. Cool. Yeah. I so I Drive recommend Angry. Drive Angry. Uh, look it up. It's on the Showtime app if you have I the had Showtime it. app. I had it and I forgot to get rid of it, so I think I still have it. Hey, there you go. Because I loved watching I'm Dying Up Here, a great series mm, yeah, about yeah. comedians that got canceled. And our friend Maggie Needlecedar, her uncle, wrote the book that oh, the series is based on. I did not know that. Yep. 
Oh. Little fun fact. I did not know that. That's super cool. Well, now that we, um, you know, got some, some preliminary stuff out of the way, we're going to go ahead and get into the movie of the episode. <laughs> Thank you, Willem Dafoe. So... House of a Thousand Corpses came out in 2003. It is Rob Zombie's directorial debut. You know, Rob Zombie has definitely carved out a niche in in the horror community now. Um, You know, his movies are very much him, you know. Yes, you can tell you're watching a Rob Zombie movie, which is cool. Which I love, yeah, yeah. And I especially love, like, with this being his debut. I mean, out the gate, he's just like, fucking, like, these are what my movies are going to be like. Yeah. If you like it, cool. If not, whatever. But, like, this is my movie. Yeah. And it's basically a giant homage to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, for real. Yeah, yeah, big with, time. And the, the, the Wikipedia also says, Hills Have Eyes inspiration, which, yeah, but but specifically, uh, this is very much a yeah. reimagining of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Even stars Bill Mosley, who is from the first two Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. Yeah. So yeah, and it's uh, it's Texas. It's hot. It would have fit in in July's um, monthly schedule because we were talking um, summertime horror movies, heat soaked horror in the daytime, yeah. and and it definitely gets some of that Texas heat in the third act for sure. Yeah. But, um, you know, first out the gate, I feel like I just, like, have to mention um, a few R.I.P.s in this because there are, like, three different yeah. main actors Crazy. in this film that are no longer with us currently. Of course, Sid Haig passed away not too long ago. His birthday was a few weeks ago. So, uh, shout to Sid Haig, who I never really saw too many of his films. I knew people really loved him from this and Devil's Rejects. And I get it now. I mean, yeah. at least not seeing, uh, I still haven't watched Devil's Rejects, but I mean, I wanted more of Captain Spaulding in this movie for sure. Like, yeah. Sid Haig is and fantastic. Thanks to, and thanks to these movies, he became sort of one of those guys that just like lived an entire career through like cons and stuff. Yeah. Like, he was a big draw at like horror movie cons and things. So he's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good, good guy. Yeah. Like he, he de- I definitely saw that a lot of people would meet him at cons. He always took pictures and everything up, even up until like when he got really sick, he was still making appearances. Um, so shout out to Sid Haig. This was also um, Dennis Fimple's last film role, who played Grandpa Hugo in this movie, who he doesn't really have too much screen time, but this was also his last film. And then um, RIP to Matthew McGraw. Mick Rory, who plays Tiny, the very tall man this, mm-hmm. Guinness Book of World Record for tallest actor, largest foot, and longest toe. Yeah, he was like 7'6". And he um he made appearances in Big Fish. Um, He plays the very tall man in that, the giant man that he helps out. And then he also is, um what was the other movie I said he was in? Uh... I don't uh, oh, uh, Bubble Boy. Bubble, oh yeah, he, he was, was in, in Bubble, Bubble Boy. Boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you've seen uh, Matthew McGrory in a lot of films. So, kind of crazy. That's like that's kind of sad yeah. because they were all really great in this film. But, uh, but yeah. So, what made you want to talk about this movie besides it all just being fucking awesome? Because yeah. I did love this. That's the thing is, I was just trying to think of like a cool non like super mainstreamy horror movie to watch, like something culty, uh, like has been discussed. Uh, because yeah, I just hadn't. Um, I haven't seen, like, there haven't been a ton of movies come out this year, obviously, uh, and I, there's, um, I don't know, 
I just really liked this shit. I liked uh, this movie. I saw it for the first time in eighth grade, uh, way back in like 2008-ish, and uh, I just got it from a bargain bin uh, at the store with my buddy JD, and because we were going through our first like the that first you know how when you're like a kid you go through that first wave of like horror movie fandom where you're like I want to find the spookiest thing like I want to find the thing that's really gonna freak me out me and my buddies I got sleepovers. And we watched this, and it was unlike anything I'd ever seen before, or have seen since. Honestly, <laughs> like it's so because it is really like it's so a black comedy, but also just such a brutal, like bloody. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's it's it's just something that I haven't really got to talk about a ton because not a ton of people have seen it, uh, and it's it's a movie that I think uh, deserves a little bit of recognition. Yeah, like I said uh, at the beginning of the episode, I had very low expectations going into it. I um, kind of just assumed a lot of things from it, just by the way that certain people talked about it. Like I said, it has a really shitty poster and cover. Even the title, House of a Thousand Corpses, doesn't really... Right, there's not a thousand corpses in there. I mean, (laughs) I guess that little cavern at the very end was where the thousand corpses are, like just underneath all... I don't know. I don't know, because there is a Rob Zombie song called House of a Thousand Corpses. I don't know if that came first. Well, that might be why then. Uh, Yeah, well, because the whole reason I was reading uh, on the Wikipedia for this movie that I guess Rob was designing Uh, a uh, haunted house for Universal for their theme park, and then the movie just sort of like came out of that and uh they shot it in like 2000 and then it was just like on the oh yeah they shelved it yeah because it said uh they shelved it because um the studio thought it would get an nc-17 rating and it should probably and probably should i mean well well there wasn't really there's a lot of implied like sexual yes it was all implied if they would have actually showed any of it then yes i think it 100 percent would have so yeah it shelved it but then Rob Zombie bought the rights back from the studio yes. so that way he could release it himself. Yeah, which is which is fucking baller. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think that also something I wanted to add talking about how this was sort of like this movie was just big choices, big bold crazy choices yeah. from from every angle of it from the music to the editing to the just everything about it. And I think part of why he was allowed to get away with that with it being his first movie ever as a director was because he's of, Rob Zombie because he's, he's Rob Zombie. already a well-known exactly. figure in entertainment and I think that's what stops a lot of that's why you see a lot of great directors come out the gate with something big and commercial and then because it was just what was available to yeah, them you know it's the only way to get their foot in the door and then once they've done that they have this they, they sort of like there's a good podcast I don't know if you've heard it uh, Blank Check uh, with Griffin and David they yep. uh, talk about how that so- happens a lot with these directors who aren't like these big blockbuster movie directors they are actually like independent filmmakers that make a big blockbuster or two so that they can have permission basically from the studio to be like alright you've made us a lot of money go make your little passion project yeah and I feel like with Rob they skip straight to the passion project Yes, exactly, because he he already had a reputation, and um, I talked about this with director Todd Strauss-Schulson, who came on the show a few weeks ago. We kind of talked about that whole thing, like, he, because his first movie was Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas, was his first film, (laughs) and then he got to make his very personal passion project movie second, 
because the studio knew how they trusted him on how he was going to handle the money since he had already done like the big yeah. uh, blockbuster movie. And then so he got to kind of do his thing. So, you know, it's just how the business works. But, you know, there's nepotism in the business, I suppose. So would that be that'd be nepotism. Nepotism is a family thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That, I guess yeah, he's he's fa- he's family. To family the of the industry. Yeah. yeah, you know exactly. So, but yeah, it, it it was um very singularly him, and I love that. So, uh, one segment that we do have on the show is called the genre grinders, where we take the movie and we grind it up all nice and fine down into the subgenres and kind of break down what made it work. So, mm-hmm. this movie is very much it's a it's a grindhouse throwback, you know, with yeah. the with the horror host intro and the vignettes that it would kind of cut back mm-hmm. and forth Those to old school nods, yeah, the old school nods, you know, the the granular aesthetic they put on the film and just like mm-hmm. and. Uh, the editing choices, which we'll get to in a minute, you okay, know, there's nutty. lots of editing choices in this movie. Yeah, it's um. So we got the grindhouse elements going. You kind of got some like haunted house elements of just like kind of you know, tourist trap people yeah, getting yeah, yeah. kind of stuck in a house Pull off the side of the road. Yeah, yeah, and you get like the it definitely like the Texas like is Texas horror a subgenre. I, I guess I, I, I'm going to say it is a subgenre because so big and there's so much shit this, that goes on out there. Yeah. And this movie is just inspired by like every horror movie that's taken place in Texas. Yeah. Like I said, like from Texas Chainsaw to Hills Have Eyes to, um, you know, I, uh, with Straw Dogs kind of. I don't know if that takes place in Texas or not either. Or like the original Last House on the left either. Mm-hmm. Well, and then also something that's obvious in this and that I totally forgot about it until the movie got rolling is it's fucking hilarious. Yeah, the, the comedy. comedy in it is so good. The Yeah, the the comedy is like, and I hear a lot of people knock Rob Zombie's films for his dialogue. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's just kind of one of those things because, you know, comedy is subjective. It hits everybody differently. Yes, don't you know <laughs> it. So, um, so I mean, that just kind of is what it is. I felt like it really did work in this, like for the setup of the movie because... I will say the one thing is it is uh, kind of sporadic, but at the same time, I like the way that it's kind of set up. We have the first act taking place mainly at Captain Spaulding's little pit stop, mm-hmm. and we kind of get like just introduced. And But then it's like I kind of started thinking of this movie as a video game towards the end yeah. that we just keep getting into deeper levels of weird Bad. and fucked up. Yeah. And it just keeps getting darker and crazier. Yeah. It's like almost like a seven rings of hell type thing. Like they right. kept saying like this is hell. Yeah. So I kinda was thinking like how many stages they like went through between going oh, from interesting. Yeah, Captain Spaulding to the house and then you go deeper into the house. Then we went underground. Then you go deeper underground. It's well and then also like the psychological thriller aspect of it is also huge because it's just like it's one of those movies where there's not a ton of jump scares. Like I don't know if there's even one. There's there's, there's maybe a couple one or two. Yeah. With the just the way that like Otis kinda like sneaks barges up into things. and barges into stuff. Yeah. But like there's a big part of what made this movie so like jarring to me, especially as like a thirteen year old or whatever, is just those long takes on like just disgusting <laughs> fucked up like imagery like of just people with their throats slashed and their skin torn off and it's not like a flash to that then flash to the reaction shot it's just like we're gonna hold on this bloodied ink like incapacitated just decapitated corpse 
And like the thing that they did with Rain Wilson, uh, another they had Rain Rain Wilson was a was one of really the great teams. cast overall. Great cast. Chris Hardwick, scandal noted. Chris Hardwick was in it. Like <laughs> they, uh, but Rain Wilson's character like got gutted and turned into a fish boy, he got and like into a fish his man. girlfriend had to stare at it like while she was chained to a chair. Like just so much of that is just like the Otis guy. Like is just so like. They got tortured. It's not. It's not like they just got yeah. murdered. And oh yeah. Bada bing, bada boom. They were tortured for a most of the movie. It was just them getting tortured. Well, the way that I like to think about it too is like the movie is like this fucked up vaudeville show. Yeah. Like they are showmen. That's what they are doing. They they're putting on a. House. They're putting on a show for us, the audience, but they're putting on a show for themselves in the way that they are just going above and beyond to terrorize and torture mm-hmm. these these kids, yeah. you know? Which, speaking of comedy, the character, the grandpa character, uh, he, uh, that what was the actor's he, name that passed uh, away? Uh, Fimple? Yeah, Dennis Fimple. Yeah, hilarious. Uh, <laughs> something, he, if you watch this movie and you know anything about, like, stand-up, the history of stand-up comedy, I think Rob Zombie based his character off of the comedian Sam Kinison. Uh, because mm. he is 100% doing a Sam Kinison impression, yeah. especially there is a part where we've been talking, it's a vaudeville thing, they do their show after dinner, and, and everybody the grandpa has... gets up and does stand-up, and he does stand-up exactly how Sam Kinison did it. He just talks about like, and then I ate her pussy. And, and just, just like, yeah, the yelling that he kept doing. Even his voice, like the way he looked, like I, I think that was like a little nod to Sam Kinison who had passed away by the time this movie was made, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Very funny. So yeah, the, funny. The, the the first act, you know, that we get introduced and which I like. I like that it does kind of take its time a minute to get to know these stupid characters, even though there's not much to get to know, but at least we do kind of spend a little time with them. We kind of everybody has like a little personality ish to them. But then yeah. we have, you know, Sid Haig as Captain Spaulding kind of introducing us to the world. You know, mm-hmm. especially like with the the murder ride, yeah, which was just super funny. Like Crazy. his whole all the whole thing with him, with the the murder ride, the chicken, mm-hmm. the like, just beautiful set design. Also, oh like, man, throughout the whole thing, like Fantastic they really fantastic, all set practical, design. not a single like. CG effect or anything like the yeah Captain Spaulding's was great. The house is just disgusting and beautiful. And then the like the underground lair with like the Doctor mm-hmm. Satan character, like that all the bones and everything. Like that, I th- I bet that is where most of the budget went. The, in this the movie. yeah the the set design one hundred percent is just fantastic top to bottom. Like um the house which was. I couldn't find if it was the exact house or not, but they filmed the exterior shots to literally be like it was like they replicated the Texas Chainsaw Massacre house, at least replicated yeah. it, if not actually shot it on that original house. Yeah, which, um, which because again, the, another the, nod to it. This I, I literally think if he could have called this movie a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, mm-hmm. just get, have someone get killed with a chainsaw one time. Yeah, I'd say one one chainsaw kill would be enough, and you could call this movie a Texas like it's yeah. it's like his like his like acid like Texas Chainsaw Massacre on acid. I would be willing to bet that he was making this horror house for Universal completely separate from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I bet he was like probably maybe working on a script, working on his take on Texas Chainsaw, and then whenever this perfect storm of I'm building you a horror attraction. 
I would like to direct a horror movie came to be, Universal said, well, we're not going to let you touch a beloved property like Texas Chainsaw for your first movie. How about we give you, like, let's let's make your blended version of it with this ride you've been making, basically. I think that that's something that if we could get into some execs' houses uh, and beg them to tell the truth, I think that's, that's something that I could definitely see happening. Because, yeah, it, it truly is, like, mm-hmm. it's a family with a deranged son that wears a mask. Like, mm-hmm. so many elements of it are just I mean, such yeah, I mean, basic structure. The the skinning, the mentioning of, like, Ed Gein, which Texas Chainsaw Massacre was in, influenced by Ed Gein. I mean, and Bill Mosley himself just being one of the main characters, like, coming from that yeah. franchise especially, which, uh, fucking shout out to Bill fucking Mosley. So good. He is so good. Just like freak. Like, the, 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 the spiels that they just let these characters go on. I mean, really, like, even Sherry Moon, I think, is, like, for the character that she's supposed to be playing as Baby. Like, I know some people don't like her acting for some reason. Yeah. And are like, oh, she's only in because his wife. Well, no shit. Right. <laughs> and she's like, and she's hot. And then fucking, but for the character she was playing, like, she was really good, too. perfect for it, yeah. Like, which makes me think, so my my next point uh, is you had talked about, like, we got to know, like, sort of the characters through the Captain Spaulding stuff. He's walking them through the thing. I felt, I don't know if you felt this way, that this wasn't, something else that separates this from other horror movies, to me, is about halfway through, like, the second act, so like midway point of the movie, it you stop even really caring about the like good guy, like teens that got dragged, and you start it stops being a movie about these teenagers that get pulled out of their car and are tortured, and it becomes a movie about this fucked up family. Yeah, like it's it's as if the roles reverse, and it's not we're watching the good guys fight the villains we're watching how much shit can these villains do to these good guys which is cool yeah like i said like in it just like kind of goes in this tier system that i mentioned like so it's like the opening it's like okay he's just kind of fucking with them getting in their heads a little bit you know some of the psychological stuff just being weird generally weird and kind of setting that up and then we get to the house and then like we have the first phase of the house which is just like the dinner scene which is Big homage to Texas Chainsaw Massacre when they're just like kind of fucking with Sally at the end of that movie. So it's like they have the dinner scene, but then he's like, okay, let's take a step further with this uh, dinner show afterwards, and yeah. which is just great. I just Maybe. love it. <laughs> like the the lip Sherry Moon's lip syncing, yeah. fucking uh, Grandpa Hugo. Like I just thought it was very fun. It was yeah. Stifler's mom working the camera Stifler's, or the uh, light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just really, really good. I enjoyed that. But then it's like, okay, now you get phase two of the house when you see, like, the different, like, fucking torture rooms throughout the house that Otis has set up. Killing the cheerleaders upstairs while they're, like, eating dinner. Like, Just like, oh, man, like, Otis is fucked. Yeah, that guy is Like, that guy is fucked. And, like, Bill Mosley just really does, like, the way they made him look. He, like, looks like a vampire almost. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, at one point, he even says humans, so I was like, is he a fucking... Right, he looks like a Guillermo del Toro-style like, right? vampire. Yeah, <laughs> or like the dude from Hellboy, Yeah, Hellboy 2. Yeah, which uh, we did a podcast about Blade 2 at one point. We did, we Good did, <laughs> and uh, coming up on Blade Blunt Cinema Club, covering the Blade trilogy for Blade's anniversary... Coming up soon. I think that might have been the last podcast I did before I left Springfield for Chicago. And I think, in fact, somewhere in the audio of that podcast, I'm like, 
Yeah, by the time this comes out, I'll be in Chicago, and I hope things are going well. <laughs> I think so. I think, <laughs> yeah, silly. I think that was the the last one that we got to do together, which was a great movie. Love great the movie. movies. Great movie. Um, but then, like, yeah, so then it's like we had that in the house, we get the torture chamber, and then it's just like now Otis is, like, doing the ritual, and he's just ready to be like, okay, because they kept mentioning this Dr. Satan throughout the movie yeah. that the kids were trying to find. He goes, all right, you guys wanted to find Dr. Satan? I'm going to take you to Dr. Satan then. Yeah. And fucking, again, continue just, like, fuck with them until they get there. So it's just, like, just keep getting just more and more and more fucked up. And it's just, like, and, like, you know, the editing choices just keep getting, you know, ramped up as yeah. well. And it's just really fun. I, I wanted to backtrack to... um. I really do like the very first scene of like true horror that we get, like um whenever they um when Otis and Tiny attack them when they're in the car. Oh yeah, and they jump off the scarecrow. And they like, jump things. off the scarecrow things. Yeah. that's a really fucking fun scene. Mm-hmm. And like okay, so like and that was just the tipping point, you know, yeah. of of everything. That was just literally just the the little inkling of it, and so. We haven't well, really talked Rob Zombie style much. Right. Well, that moment, sorry, like they let them go. Like yeah. that's a part of the psychological mindfuck of this movie is they had them in their house already. They didn't have to say, "All right, well, we fixed your car. See you later." They like they planned this. They wanted but them what's to the think they're gonna that? escape. Yeah, you know, such a ooh. they dress up as scarecrows because they're theatrical as fuck. Yep. Like, it's all it's all a, a fucking like play for them. Showmen. Yeah. They Crazy. are they are show the the Firefly family are showmen spooky folks. Oh yeah, for sure. But yeah, so I really I really do love that scene. And then once we do get into like that that third act and it just like kind of goes underground and you want to talk about like the set design, like Doctor Satan's fucking chamber and like yeah. the weird contraptions. The way that he that looks, he's in. like the Emperor from the Last Jedi. Like he's all just connected to machines, and that's the thing is like we started it because, like you said, it's like dissecting it into little chunks. It's like Captain Spaulding's little roadside attraction, scary, but we paid to be scared. Like, it's like a haunted house you pay for. It's like, oh, ha, 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 we're having fun. Then you go to the Firefly house where it's like, oh, this is scary. It's still a house, though, I guess. Like, that's why they felt comfortable going into and it in the just, first place. Yeah. Because they're, like, desperate. And and they even played off, like, the dinner show is just them being really weird. Yeah. Even and so like, it's like, all right, this is uncomfortable and a little scary, but this is still something familiar. And then that shifts into a hellscape of its own, but then you get to Dr. Satan's little underground lair, and it's like... They are truly oh, in hell. the most terrifying thing in the world. Like, th- there's no scarier place than this place. Like, just tunnels f- filled with, like, mentally deranged mutants, like, wandering around, nipping at you, and this guy doing surgery and just cutting you up in this scary bone-filled room. Like, what the fuck, Rob? Yeah, it's just like, hey, this is what you guys wanted, right? You guys wanted some weird shit, you wanted to see some weird stuff, you wanted to get scared, you wanted to experience experience but and then it's like okay you got what you want but then they get what they want more that they just continue to go on and on until yeah. like you said like his name is dr satan and then 
that whole scene is just bathed in red because it's just like they are in like literal hell by that point. Yeah, which brings which reminds me what you just said. Um, like you wanted to get scared. Here you go. And if you ever seen a movie, this is another uh, hidden gem, real quick. Uh, the movie The House's October Built. No, but I know there's three of them. I know they're really good. Apparently, yeah. I watched the first one. Haven't seen the other two. Didn't even know about the other two. But holy shit, that first one, scary as heck. Yeah, Very it's good. like about like those like immersive horror experiences, mm-hmm. it's, right? It's similar to the setup of this where it's like these young people traveling across country writing a book about roadside attractions. It's young people traveling across country writing like a vlog about um uh, haunted houses and they're trying to find the scariest haunted house in the world and these people like it's like all like backroom deals and shit. They're like, "Oh, you want to go to the scariest house?" and it's like oh, it's super fucked up. Yeah, got to see it. Yeah, I definitely, um, that's been on my list to check out. Yeah, there's three of them. Apparently, um, they're all pretty good from what I hear. So I definitely want to get into that. And like, yeah, like immersive horror experiences are just like one thing in themselves. They're like fucking crazy. Like, have you heard of like McCainy Manor? Is is that in the Midwest? I think McCainy Manor is in like Massachusetts, I think. I haven't heard of that one specifically. I know there's, there wasn't there one in Kansas City that's like 10, it's like a building like with 10 stories. And if you make it to the 10th, it gets scarier as you go up. And if you make it to the 10th floor, you get your money back. I'm pretty sure that's the thing, but like no one's ever made it to the 10th floor. That sounds fucking like, like it's so funny because like as much as I love like horror movies and stuff, I can't do the immersive experiences. Because, like, yeah. I literally, like, like I'm a fucking, like, when my flight or fight kicks in, it's fight. It's not flight. So, it's For like, sure. so it's like I'm too scared to do those immersive experiences that I'm literally just going to end up fucking decking somebody in the face and then me getting sued, you know, or something. Yeah, because, like, that's, that's... I'm ready to fucking, like, survive, you know? So, it's like, I don't know if I could do those hardcore horror experiences because yeah. I would just be like, now this is you want to make it real like especially like McCainy Manor they can like touch you and like you know and like rough you up and it's like that's yeah that's some fucking crazy shit right there I'm not that type of horror fan that's not me yeah but um so I did touch on we didn't really talk about like Rob Zombie style in this movie um it looks fantastic like I really do like the way that it's shot. It has um these great reds and greens throughout. Like the this like just the way that it's lit is really cool. It kind of has just this like acid trip fantasy world look to it that I really appreciate. And um I do like the I like the score as well, which was done by Scott Humphrey and Rob Zombie worked on um I'm assuming he worked on more of like curating the the licensed music yeah. for it. Andy had one of his musics over the opening credits because right, yeah. why wouldn't you and like it's also just in the movie like towards the end there whenever they're like walking like to the place I'm pretty sure the House of a Thousand Corpses like riff is playing the yeah yeah great yeah I'd say great job to him for making something really fucking unique like which there was what scene was it that I really when the score like kicked in I think it was once they like went underground that's when it like got like really demonic and dark and they stopped playing yeah like fun little clips yeah pop music and stuff oh man some of the needle drops in this are pretty great yeah like brick house yeah (laughs) that is just like i was like what a choice like that's all i could say i was like what a fucking choice like that's what rob zombie does he just goes and and it's crazy so um apparently he almost didn't get to do all the shit in the third act of like going down to 
Um, it, it apparently had like a more uh, subdued ending, I suppose. And because what happened was like while they were filming, they were burning through budget. You know, they're burning yeah, through budget. So um, apparently they just said, well, I know I'm not going to have the money to do the ending I want. We're going to film an extra shitty ending uh-huh. and we're going to use that and we're just going to put it because then the studio is going to go well we can't release that that ending sucks right. here's some <laughs> more money film a better ending oh, and that's that. what exactly what they did uh, so like rob zombie's a fucking baller yeah, he already knows how to play the game that's crazy right that's awesome like he is a fucking baller i like i really do like now i'm i'm very excited to dive through the rest of his filmography now because yeah, I, I just really do appreciate like his his look and like I said like the vignettes like really worked like they were strange but they worked and like yeah. kind of the way because it, it like I said it's like we're watching like he's putting on a show for the audience too mm-hmm. so it's like those little cutaways are like just like mini commercial breaks on TV as yeah. if of what we're watching and because yeah. it's like the characters are almost addressing that they like they're like almost on like little YouTuber rants. Yeah, like Otis weird. has a couple, Captain Spaulding has a couple, Hugo has a couple, yeah, you know. Baby has some really Baby weird, has some scary, stuff. sexy ones. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, there's just, uh, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm just like, if this movie had just a better title and poster, I would have watched this movie so yeah. much sooner. And, yeah. um, and, But I also think this movie, like why it has the cult following now, because this movie doesn't feel like an early 2000s horror movie. No. I don't like early most early 2000s horror. Yeah. I think it's kind of like like 2000 to 2009 is one of the weaker decades yeah. in, in horror, in my opinion. Yeah. But this movie doesn't feel like those. I mean, it does nah, because yeah. a lot of those movies did kind of feel like music videos. And <laughs> yeah. this has that. Yeah, but it doesn't have it. But it's it's very purposeful yeah. in the way that they do it, and like this feels like some of these like artsy movies now. Like this almost like this almost could be a like an A twenty four movie. Yeah, you I know see that it's well. I think a lot of it has to do with the practical effects that they used because so much that was the decade like that time in filmmaking specifically was the Matrix came out and everyone was like, oh, we can do we let's just try to make our movie like we can do impossible things. We can we do, do anything. On computers. <laughs> yeah. So like so many of those movies, it's just like the scary thing looks so fake because it's just such shitty like early versions of all this stuff in terms of the computer mm-hmm. imaging technology and whatnot. So I think that's what helps for, for me, at least this movie stand out is, and they do set it in the seventies. Uh, so it's not like, cause that's the other thing about the two thousands is ever, they wanted to show off how hip they were with like mm-hmm. my phone. Like I flipped my phone open. Oh, we have no bars out here. Oh my God. Let's go to an internet cafe. Maybe they'll have like, <laughs> yeah. like some of that shit. It's, it was almost like an ad for the decade. Yeah. Um, and this did not feel like that at all. Yeah, no, it it did not have those things, so it's like it felt like a throwback, but and also like I said, like kind of it feels like a current movie now, and like so in certain ways it was ahead of its time as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just love I love all the homages, like because I I've seen like I saw in like some other reviews people hated on because of like it was so heavily Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm-hmm. influence, and yeah. people were just like, okay, like come on, but I'm like. I don't know. Like, I just think the way that he embraces his his inspiration, you know, and the things that he wants to add and put his spin on it. Like, I don't know. I just. I, and it was done well is the thing. Like, yeah. If it was done really shitty, it would be a different thing, which sort of leads to me 
my theory that this was originally supposed to be a Texas Chainsaw adaptation. After these movies, after the success of this and Devil's Rejects, somebody was finally like, all right, let's let him do Halloween. Like, let's yeah. let him have his shot at a big property because he's clearly a fan mm-hmm. of that era and that genre of the and the genre. So I think. Uh, he I mean, sort of had to prove himself a little. Yeah, way. I mean, I do think the timeline kind of meets up because in 2003, I believe it was 2003, is when we had the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake from Platinum yeah. Dune Studio. And that was the guy. That was the one that had the guy. Uh, fuck, what is his name? The the drill sergeant actor. Yeah, yeah. Ar- Arlie Arlie something or something. Yeah. We're thinking of the same guy. <laughs> yeah, we we know who we're talking about, but yeah. um, but yeah, that movie came out in two thousand three, so maybe and this was filmed back in two thousand, so yeah, I think there might have been a good chance that it could have been. And then he said, yeah. "Well, fuck it, you guys don't want me to do a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie? I'll do my own Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, right, yeah. and then I'll look into it a little bit further, I guess. On like, I guess you know, people were, or I don't know if he was just very happy." With these characters, and then that's when he went off to do Devil's Rejects, or if he already had, like, a kind of trilogy in mind, but, like, you've seen Devil's Rejects and Three from Hell. I haven't seen Devil's Rejects, oh, you Rejects haven't? actually, yeah, no. Oh, Never okay. saw Devil's Rejects or Three from Hell. I've I only mean, seen just, this one. Yeah, just from what I can see from it, they those two seem a lot more grounded. Uh-huh. Because this one does have like kind of it's I mean it's not supernatural or paranormal in any way, right. but it does have like a fantastical element to it. Yeah, yeah. I'd like even so. like especially like when baby was like fucking with old girl in the in the graveyard, I was like, does she have some sort of powers or right, something? And yeah. then like Otis kept saying, referring to people as humans. So mm-hmm. I was like, is there like just like an implied? you know element to it but yeah but then like like i said like i mean i haven't seen devil's rejects yet but it came off like a little bit more grounded so i'm just intrigued on how it went from carrying those characters over into having their own movie i mean i saw on devil's rejects a lot of the other characters appear like tiny is in it as well yeah and uh stuff like that so especially in the beginning i'm pretty sure there's like a raid on their house because the cops finally figure out what they're doing and i think some of them get killed some of them get arrested yeah okay otis baby and captain spaulding escape yeah because it's like a road movie yeah i'm pretty sure yeah on the run yeah but um, but yeah. So I think I mean, is there any other thoughts you have to add to this movie? Boy, uh, the ending. Uh, it did. It did not have a happy ending at all. It didn't, and very, I enjoy that. Very fucked up ending. I like uh, not happy endings. Yeah, especially in horror movies. It um, which leads me to again. It's like this isn't a movie about like normal people surviving it's a movie about fucked up people attacking and yep. and, and they win in the end which is yeah. nuts the the ending once again is an inversion of texas chainsaw massacre where she gets you know rescued by the person in the red truck at the end of the movie and sally you know rides off into the distance yep. and leaves leatherface behind sally has a happy ending but like you said she at the end of this one she just gets picked up yeah. by captain spaulding it's like if leather leatherface was driving the truck basically. <laughs> like, yeah. And yeah. so Captain Spaulding picks her back up and of course fucking Otis the the way he sits up in the back seat was amazing. Yeah. How did she not see him? Also, I know was he, he under a blanket. He was in a convertible, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um but yeah, and then she just wakes up and fucking on Doctor Satan's table and yeah, that's that. I, I do worst. love mean endings. Yeah. I, I I really do. Well and then uh what did we say? Oh the Chekhov's chicken. Uh, the 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 roadside fried chicken stand that oh that so it's not chicken of, uh 
What do you mean? Is that the joke? That no. it's not chicken? That it's the human that uh, they cut up uh, and shit? It might be the human. I don't know. It's it's the shit that Captain Spaulding sells at his yeah. roadside thing. And we said it, like, I think you said it at the beginning. Yeah, like, I was like, I was like, check off chicken wing. Is this going to come back into play right, later? Exactly. It didn't really. It didn't. The, the chicken portion of it kind of got abandoned uh, as the film went on, which I was disappointed in. Like I said, but I think they could have, I mean, I guess they're implying that it's actually the humans that he be, gets from. Yeah. Which from is the, the other family. cannibalism. Make the the chili, you know, Texas Chainsaw, the whole grinding the bones up or grinding the meat up into mm-hmm. people. Ugh, so gross. So a fun yeah, movie though. Very fun movie. I very really gross. Don't eat while you're watching this. Is would be my recommendation. Don't yeah. try to eat anything. Like you see fully skinned bodies. Yeah, and it's just dirty. Rain Wilson, like a fishman. It is. It's a dirty, grimy movie. Yeah. Like. You do feel that, like, once again, like, the the set design for the movie is just really, really fantastic. Yeah. On the way that they set up the house, the way everything's lit, um, the the editing choices, there were three editors on board. Oh, wow, okay. So maybe that makes a lot of sense, and they just all got their way. Yeah. <laughs> they just kept passing the movie around and throwing in Rob random effects no. and shit. Yeah. And... Because, like, this movie would be a, a good eight minutes shorter if it wasn't for the slow motion and just, like, showing the same shot from that, a different angle. That and long, like, 20-second shot of Otis holding the gun up to Walton Groggin's, like, face. <laughs> like, that was so ridiculous. But I felt the tension in that moment. I like, loved I f- it. I felt the rubber band, like, being stretched. I loved I like, it. Uh, kill him. Like, yeah. they held on, I wish I would have timed it, because they held that shot for a good 20 seconds at least, Yeah. and with no sound whatsoever, no. I and then I was like, eh, 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 and then when it goes off, it's like, ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a, it good was, there's just, ah, uh, the choices, like, Rob Zombie, just keep doing you, man, like, I really appreciate I, I want to see what he does next because he got to finish. You know, he did three from hell, finished out his trilogy, but that was like a crowdfunded thing. So it's like, I don't know. Like, why aren't studios wanting to give him money to I fucking make shit? I liked you his know? Halloweens. Like, like, I know a lot of people didn't. I think maybe that's why people didn't like his take on Halloween and like Michael Myers and stuff. I, thought I they liked were it. Good. Yeah, I liked it. I don't, I'm, I don't love the Halloween franchise. I liked his take on it because again, it's hit, it's very much his version and take mm-hmm. on it. Like he does a remake. How I think you should do a remake. He pays, he pays, uh, respect to the movie for sure. Yeah. Um, and then the the second one he kind of does gets to do his own whole sequel like Halloween 2 specifically is yes. very much his own Halloween movie his take on it versus yeah. the first Halloween is like you know a twisting of the the original but uh-huh. again like he did it in he very much put his stamp on it did something a little bit different people don't like it when you give the the killers and monsters backstory yeah. but i think it worked same. For for it, so yeah, like I think he's good. I think, so yeah, yeah I what is what does he got in the works right now? Nothing really. Following three from hell is released. Yeah, doesn't really say what he's uh, got going on. Oh, he was working on some music, so I guess um he he shifted back to music for a little bit. That makes sense. And um yeah, so he doesn't really have anything on the on the schedule, but you know, I would love to see uh, I'm definitely going to dive back in and watch the rest of his films now. Hell yeah. So thank you for bringing uh this movie to me. Hey, no problem. Yeah, 
Um, so you just got here, Chance, but I know you are a busy boy with you and your homies. Uh, what you got to plug? What, what are you working on? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, I've been doing some stuff with, uh, it's called The Swell Boys on Twitch. Uh, they also have a Twitter. Uh, some of my roommates and people, it's just a little comedy group. Uh, we stream video games uh, almost every night of the week on Twitch. If you just go on like twitch.com. Uh, Twitch TV, whatever, slash uh, Swellboys is the name, S-W-E-L-L-B-O-Y-S. Um, I have a Fortnite stream that I do every Tuesday <laughs> night at around 6 or 7, and we've been having some fun with that, uh, trying to stay busy. Uh, other than that, there's not a whole lot. Like, I have no stand-up to plug uh, right now. that's not a thing. stand-up is illegal unless you're in, like, Texas, which <laughs> is fun. Um, you can check me out on Twitter and Instagram, at Powerful Chance. I've been trying to do some Twitter videos and shit there, and uh, yeah, fun, fun. Definitely check out the Swell Boys. Um, there's some really great stuff. I love their fucking the the short that they did, um, the search party. Was that what uh, it's called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spotlight or That's search party one. or something like that. Yeah, that one was really good. And then um, I still haven't watched in Corn Taken yet, but I Corn Taken. I have a scene in Corn Taken. Check it out. Uh, it's on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, on the Swell Boys YouTube. It's just called Corn Taken. We took. 87 different people filmed one minute each out uh, one different minute of the movie <laughs> taken and it, it's like you get your own take on it i have a minute uh there's like animation claymation some stuntmen like that are all like living together did one really cool scene like it's it's really cool it's so a really genius it idea yeah like it was, it, cool. it was a really good idea so yeah so make sure you guys uh follow chance check that stuff out and make sure, of course, you guys are subscribing on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. New episodes that drop every Tuesday, except for bonus episodes like this come out on Friday. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please go on there and um, leave a nice five-star review. That would be super dope. But that is all we have for this week's episode. Make sure you are tuned in next week. We are talking Boys in the Trees with the director, Nicholas Verso. Super excited for that. So make sure you are following me on social media at Bloody Blunts with three O's on Twitter and Instagram. And until next time, stay lifted, friends.